Good evening and welcome to the Red Voices Manchester United podcast. This week we have a 1-0 victory over Everton in the Premier League to dissect, which wasn't a total shock to the system, but neither did it tell us very much about anything at all, other than remind us that Anthony Martial is ace. Confirming this fact with me and presumably several others tonight is Mr Richard Can. Richard, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And yes, Santi Martial is ace. That's very true, that's very true. How's your week been? Are you happy to have United back in your life after the international break? Um, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't say I'm, I'm thrilled at the prospect of, of watching United at the moment, but um, I suppose I suppose anything's better than an international break, isn't it? I don't think I've ever sound you, heard you sounding less enthused about anything. Uh, this season has got the... The, f- the feeling of something which is just curling up and slowly dying. And, and we all just wish it would die quicker. Yeah, it's been a bit strange, isn't it? I mean, that's now two league victories in a row. There we are sitting in fifth after West Ham's draw on Saturday. Uh, City just a point ahead of us in fourth. Uh, it, it seems quite strange to say because these have been two rather tricky games for us, you know, when we sort of looked at them. But we sort of scraped away through them, but not in a particularly impressive fashion. It's been the case all the way through LVG's tenure, hasn't it? We very rarely win games by by a large margin. Um, I mean, we haven't we haven't won a game by three goals, a league game by three goals since Everton, I think, away. You probably correct me, but I don't think we have. Um, so every every game we win is always won the hard way. Uh, it's always a grind rather than a. You know, this oh Stoke, we want, we beat Stoke three 0 as well, didn't we? That was really the exception. That was one game where we really, really kind of turned it on. That was a happy um, night. I remember that. <clears throat> that was a really good night. Um, yeah. But even when even when winning under LVG, it's always ugly or almost always ugly. You know, we can remember thinking back to the uh, what sort of where we sort of September time when United were actually top of the Premier League and and there was still a lot of discontent simply because it was just so appalling to watch. Um, and I don't think anybody was surprised by. The collapse that happened after that, because we'd clearly been getting away with it for for a while, um, and I think I think the, it's complicated by the the fact that there's so much uncertainty over the you know who's going to be in charge next season, and there's there's that nagging feeling that if we get top four, then LVG might well end up staying. Which yeah, I mean let's not go let's not fall too deeply into that. Uh... Realm of possibilities just yet. That 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 we'll come on to that later. I mean, one one of the the best aspects, probably the, the best aspect of Sunday, was the build up to kick off. Really, wasn't it? it? It sort of got settled off very quickly. And I can say that from experience. I mean, sat in the Stratford end and sitting down for most of that game, barely saying a word. But the actual beginning of that game with uh, the the old South Stand being renamed the Sir Bobby Charlton Stand. I mean, Rich, you wrote a, a piece on on the football fan zone about this. It. It was one of those rare moments this season where you could actually willingly turn off your cynicism because the reception that was given to Savobi was it was really it was pretty heartwarming. Let's be honest. It was, but then you say turn off the cynicism, but then as I as I wrote, quite a lot of people seemed to do the opposite. Not certainly not within in the ground, but um, on social media. And um, I was listening to the um, United We Stand podcast this week, and they they made a quite a salient point, which is that. United fans have this thing where they they seem to like to to lay into their their former their former greats, um, and the, you know I was quite surprised by the lot of the anger around um, Sir Bobby before before the game and during the the um, sort of the naming ceremony. 
um, really sort of re- relating to his supposed um, opposition to Mourinho becoming manager, which to me is bizarre. It's, it's, it's the ultimate in short-termism versus celebrating the career of, of genuinely one of the club's greatest ever players. Yeah, it was a very weird one. I, I'm not necessarily sure. I mean, I didn't know that there really been that much discontent towards him until I actually read your piece. So, I mean, I, I didn't really get a sense of that at Old Trafford. And, well, to be fair, I didn't really get much of a sense of anything because I was holding a big plastic bag in front of my face and I couldn't see a fucking thing. Also, slightly jit that I didn't get a flag. I'm not going to lie. You didn't get a flag? I didn't get a flag. I got a bag, but uh, I didn't get a flag. What, what were the bags for? Uh, the bags were for making the mosaics. I see. Uh, I've admittedly, I did use it for carrying home my sushi on the way home, but still. There you go. Not, not, yeah. not been put to waste. Actually, maybe that maybe that was. I mean, I mean, I was quite good at them. Cheers, United. I do think. I, I do think. Going back to the point we're making that the Old Trafford and uh, does does make a great spectacle when honouring it, its legends in with you know within the ground. There's obviously a disconnect between the fans at the at the game and fans on social media, and you tend to um, get a far more cynical. A far more cynical attitude online than you than you obviously do in, in person. Um, we're also, as as British people, more um, more reserved, and we'll often say things behind people's backs, but not say them to them. And I think there's, there's no element of that. I think a lot of people who go to Ultra regularly appreciate the value of our great players and and what they what they've given to the club. Whereas it's easy for people on the internet to say silly things. He. I, he is genuinely one of the greatest players that's played for the club, and I think there's an issue with the fact that not many fans will have, who are around now will have actually seen him play. And you just have to go back and look at the record books to see what a what a great player he is. And I know there's a little bit of animosity towards him to do with the issue with cup final tickets in in the nineties, but generally speaking, everyone who who talks about him is says that he's a he's a very Principled and a good man, and we haven't really seen anything to suggest otherwise. And um, I don't know if we can't if we can't honour Bobby Charlton, then I don't know who we can honour really. No, exactly. But well, I mean, that was certainly the high point of the afternoon, really, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, the game was um, quite like many others we've seen this season, particularly Old Trafford, um, which was bone crushingly dull, <laughs> except for one. One wonderful move in a in a sea of utter shit from both teams, really. <laughs> yeah, to be I mean, honest, I've got to admit, I expected more from Everton. I mean, they have got a very very good record away from home. You know, the the this season in particular, they are much better away from Goodison than they are at Goodison. But no, I, I thought when Everton did have the ball, they were almost trying to out United us in a way. It was very weird. They were very very good at keeping the ball, stroking it around, looking for the odd gap, but not really doing a lot with it. I think my theory on this is that Everton are so successful away from home because they've got a, a team which is, is great for counter-attacking. They've got loads of pace out wide. They've got a, a pacey, powerful striker. And te- when teams come at them at home, they just pick them off. Whereas United are the exception to virtually every team in the league. And whereas we probably don't attack any more at home than we do away. We don't open up except by mistake and and I think Everton were after there were, there were periods in the first half where they looked quite dangerous but once we'd got Rocco off and Fossimenter on we were a lot more solid and they they just didn't have that option although I'm not his greatest fan I thought you know Daly Blint handled Lukaku extremely well 
yeah, I think I think we've got to look at Daly in particular. I mean, okay, I don't think anyone, even the biggest fans, would say he's an absolute rock solid, world class centre back. But these sort of performances where he deals very well with a physical striker or very you know a striker of very high quality, like he did with Aguero a couple of weeks ago, they're starting to become a little bit more frequent. And again, he mostly kept Lukaku quiet, and you know, especially for a striker who's been you know pretty damn good this season for Everton. Watching him in particular at close quarters on Sunday, it was very noticeable just how difficult it was for Lukaku to get a sniff of anything in front of goal. Yeah, I think I think that was partly down to down to Blint and partly down to the fact that the service to him was just absolutely appalling. Um, it was for lady service, wasn't it? It really was, and they, they did a segment, a brief segment of match of the day, you know, kind of showcasing the the, the attempted passes to him in the match and you know five or six times that you know the ball was just booted 20 yards from where he was um he, he was given virtually nothing to to do anything with that you know the one the one occasion when he got into a very dangerous position was when he received the ball back to goal on the edge of the six yard box with with blint behind him and, and blint managed to deflect the shot wide um but apart from that he really didn't get the ball in, in in dangerous areas. Um, there was the there was the, the cross towards the end that he that he was flying in for, which Fossi Mensa did really really well to to block away. Um, but generally speaking, I, d- I don't I don't think he got he got a kick because the service was so poor and because Blint had a, a very good day against him. It's just one of those things. I mean, I I looked at those the two sides at, at kickoff, and I I wouldn't say in terms of raw talent. I don't think there was a lot between those teams. Like maybe people will be up in arms about about that. But if you look at players like um, like Delafeo and like Barkley um, and Stones, I know Stones have struggled a bit with his depend, defending, but he actually had, had a very good game against us. Um, and Lukaku, I think they've got a lot of very talented players. And I think if compared to United, I don't I don't think we have a lot more. Obviously, the keepers better, and we had Martial. Um, but apart from that, I think it is a quite a close run thing. But for whatever reason, Everton aren't the sum of their parts this season at all. Um, and I think that probably that's probably down to Roberto Martinez, but that's a different issue altogether. I think the one difference I would make is that I still look at United, especially going forward, especially up top, and think that we're just not getting the best out of the players that we've got. I mean, admittedly, Rashford on Sunday, he, he came up against Jagielka, who just didn't give him a sniff all afternoon. There was there was a couple of occasions in the first half where he was able to go out wide and try and do a little bit of dribbling and try and get a delivery in. But in terms of an actual straight chance, Jagielka just has his number from the first minute. Yeah. But on the other side of that, now I know that Lingard at 10, a matter out on the right, has technically won two out of the three games that it's featured in since that second leg against Liverpool. But I do not like it, Rich. It's, it, I do not it's, like it's, it it's, at all. It's horses for courses, isn't it? It clearly, it clearly worked very well against City, but it's not. It, it also clearly isn't, isn't a solution to get you know every game. No, I mean the worst thing about it was Mata and Damian on that right hand side. I, I watching that and just getting a clear view of that line for the entirety of the first half. It was excruciating. I mean, going forward and backwards. The, yeah, the, the the problem was there there was space to go down. I mean, I wouldn't say that Baines was impenetrable whatsoever. I just think we refused to put him under pressure. I, mm. I think 
Darmy and Amata, they were they were frequently close enough to each other, but you could see from their play and from their own sort of confidence and their own abilities. I mean, they're not fabled dribblers. That's fine. We're not expecting everyone that plays for United to be able to ghost past the man and deliver a perfect ball. But so often in that first half in particular, it was just a case of get the ball, prod forward a little bit, try for a crossfield pass or pass it to someone more central, a bit further back. It, there was just no penetration there whatsoever. And you knew as soon as we came, the ball came out on the right, the move was pretty much over, or at least it wasn't going to get very far from where it was. It was really, I th- really difficult. I think that's a combination of um, partially that, obviously, if you play matter right, then you're completely um, negating um, the power of pace. On, on that wing, you know, he can't he can't play as an orthodox winger. He's not going to beat his man. He's not going to be getting a lot of crosses in, um, and that might be fine in certain situations. But I think, particularly at home, it's it's a real problem for us. And then you also have Darmian, who I think is just struggling to play football. He's all I mean all season. He's he's struggled going forwards, um, and he struggled defensively, which isn't great for a right back. Um, and as with so many players under under LVG it's hard to know whether we're seeing a true representation of his abilities or or whether he's simply underperforming because of confidence or because of coaching or whatever um but you've essentially you you essentially put one one fullback who's struggling with every every aspect of, the, of his game and um essentially a, a slow number 10 on the right wing and you know the result is you're not going to have any penetration down that side um, Shocking, that, isn't it? It is, and you're also open defensively as well because matter isn't the the most the most diligent or the, the strongest defensively, and you've then got Darmian who just seems to struggle to defend well at the moment. So you know we were, as you implied earlier, we were we were wide open on both flanks really, in the, particularly in the first half. Yeah, I mean, it might have taken another left slash right back substitution to actually get some semblance of attacking spark and again you're looking at Van Hal with his penchant for such a substitution but fair play it actually worked this week <laughs> yeah Incredible. it did I think this is one week you could you could honestly say that that Van Hal made the right substitutions when he when he did Rojo was just had an absolute mare an absolute stinker um, and I think um, any any residual support for him as a as a United first team player is ebbing away from um, the fans every week at the moment um, as soon as he, he came off and Darmy went to the left and Fossey went to, came on the right we immediately looked more solid defensively and um, and immediately more dangerous going forward as well Yeah I was really impressed by Fossey went do you reckon he fared? I think he was really good I mean obviously the, the, the assist for the goal was or the goal itself every part of it was, was really really pleasing it was great that he got forward and that he picked out you know really um, the sensible cross the sensible pass rather than losing his head and having a shot or just skying it it was it was the really a really good end to a really lovely move um, he's just got that that energy of youth hasn't he um, and, and, and to a degree that fearlessness as well which to, you know, we've seen with Rashford as well, and you often see with young players coming in, they just play on adrenaline, and they're not they're not frightened. They just they just get get the job done. And he's done he's done so well. I mean, the people who've been watching the the um, age group sides 
since he came to the club, he's always been singled out as some as you know as a kid with real talent. Um, and it's it's just good to see him come into the first team and actually, you know, we can see that he can he can hack it at this level. The only question really is what what his ultimate position is going to be in the team. I mean, do you think he's worthy of a start on a Sunday at White Hart Lane? I, I'm not sure. I, I think you have to be careful at that age, not to just. He need, he needs what, in to football be, or in life? <clears throat> well, both. I think <laughs> he needs to, he needs to be eased in slowly. I don't think it'd do him any harm starting at White Hart Lane. I'm just Tottenham are just they've got so many areas of attack. We need to we need to concentrate. And the one the only thing I worry about him is that he. He's too, he's too excitable at the moment, and you know he could get himself in, in, in a bit of trouble. He, he, it, to his credit, he got the early booking against Watford, and then really, really calmed down, and you know played with a much, much calmer head after that. But uh, thinking about it now, to be honest, I don't, th- I don't think the alternative, whoever that may be, would be any better. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the the great thing about Foster Mensah, you can say, is that you can take advantage of the flux that is surrounding United's back four. And just sees his opportunity. If he plays consistently, Van Hal for the most part has shown that if you do your job well and do as he's asking, then you'll play. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. I think he needs to start as a fullback, as, a, as opposed to a centre back at, at, at White Hart Lane, because you, you know, if you've got someone like Harry Kane, I think you need a more experienced head to. And I, I always think the fullback's one of the one of the best positions for a young player to to develop in because. You can get away with it a bit at fullback. You, you can get away with mistakes. Um, it's great for for young players with lots of energy um, who can get forward and get back. And it, it's it's just a really good position for a young defender to find their feet in the first team. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think he could he'd do any worse than than Rocco Adamian um, against Spurs. So I I still think that. Well, I, I am a cynic. I do think that LVG is now playing, playing, you know, a couple of the young players consistently because he knows that that's all he's got on his side um, in the plus column for a lot of the fans. But Rashford and Fossi Mentor have both stepped up when they've when they've been put in. So um, that was Martial's thirteenth goal of the season as well this week. I mean. We'll come back to Martial in a little bit more depth in a little while. But after that goal, bar the Jagielka header and uh, the Coleman cross that um, Fossi Mensah cleared very well, did you ever really get the feeling that the league was under significant threat? We, we were a lot more solid after the break once we got the full-back position sorted out. and um... Quite crucial, really, for about four, <laughs> I find. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, and... Um... You know, Martinez took Delefeo off because I think once we got his number, he he was really sort of out out of the game. Um, and I think you're right. We're all you always you always have those nerves when you're a goal up, um, and the other team has a bit of possession that, that the head of steam's going to um, you know, sort of worked up, and that that you have be, have to endure some really sustained pressure. Um, and there were points in the second half where Everton had quite a lot of the ball, but. It just never happened, and they looked tired to me. They looked tired and or lacking in belief in themselves. And uh, I think they'd, they'd lost the previous two, I think. I might be wrong on that, but I think they'd lost the previous two, and they looked like a team short on confidence. And the kind of the storm never came. That cross that Fossi meant to clear the side, and then the two chances from set pieces 
apart, there, there was really nothing else for um, for De Gea to do. Rather like the rather like the City game, we, we don't we don't need to say that De Gea won us those points because he he really had very little to do again in terms of saves. I mean, he made... no, exactly. I think the only thing you could sort of look at the other end of it. We didn't really do anything in response there, really, did we? I think from that second half, I can just remember that that one moment where it looked like we had a five-on-one, I think it was, from where I was sat. Yeah. And under yeah. basically passed it out. Yeah, yeah. The the goal was really out of nothing, wasn't it? It was, it yeah. was a, a, a... It was 30 seconds of quality in 90-odd minutes of, of bobbins, really, from both sides. It, I think, what... Did we have we had two shots on target in the end? I think it was two, um, which really oh, no, it sounds is, like a lot. Well, it sounds like a lot for us, doesn't it? <laughs> um, which is pretty poor, which is really poor at home. But it's nothing that we're not used to, is it? It was the the tenth get league game out of fifteen at home. It was nil nil at half time. That barely elicited a reaction this time. It, it, just, it just feels very much like par for the course. I think everyone's just resigned, aren't they? Resigned to. To not seeing anything remotely entertaining, um, and you know, it, 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 again, I, I, I come, I've come back to this before, but it's the British reserve thing. In in other countries, you know, the fans would be absolutely up in arms. The the, the club and the man and the manager would would know it every game, every week. We just quietly resign to it, and we sit and accept it, and go home and moan a bit. You know, that's very much. How is Old Trafford when we don't expect anything, and occasionally something good happens, and I guess we we derive a fair amount of pleasure from that, perhaps more than we would normally. But you know, as we said, the Stoke game I think was the exception in what's been a pretty turgid season at, at home. Yeah, someone who's not been turgid quite wonderfully is Anthony Martial. Now, from your perspective, Rich. Uh, because I was quite surprised by this. I did, I did a quick poll on the Red Voices account uh, yesterday and asked for who people thought United's Player of the Year would be, thinking it was going to be quite a straight choice. Surprised when I left, uh, the options were De Gea and Martial, and they've got more of the votes. Now, I mean, personally, I, I look at Martial's contribution and his you know, how he's adapted to you know life in England and playing in the Premier League. And I think it's partly the unknown quality as well. I find I find it really really difficult that more people are happier with Martial or at least more impressed. I think he's had an excellent season. I, d- I don't think it's a case of that. I think it's just just the case that the people recognise just how important De Gea was to us certainly in the in the first two thirds of the season. Um, I think he you know he hasn't had to make game winning saves in the last few weeks, but um, well I suppose he did against did against Watford, but. You know, I think he has had another exceptional season, and it's it's not a slight on Martial. It's just simply, um, I think you look at Martial and you think what could be, what what will be in the future, and and just what a player he can be. Whereas you look at you look at De Gea, and he is already uh, a great goalkeeper. He is a world class footballer. I mean, can can we give Dave? Is it three Player of the Year awards in a row? Well, he he deserves them, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if it stops him from going from Real, yeah, give him all the awards. I think you know Martial has had a good season and he's done some wonderful things, um, but if you were to compare him to the best strikers in the league, like like a Kane or perhaps an Aguero when he's really on it, or or 
perhaps Lukaku as well. Um, you know, he hasn't scored the goals they have, and what he's done has been um, he's done wonderful things in isolation and not necessarily excelled all the time. And I think it's just perhaps recognition that he's been our best outfield player by a mile, but the best of a bad bunch, and he's shown real star quality in fits and spurts, but not in a sustained manner, you know, not in a sustained game-winning manner every week, Where, whereas the likes of Kane have done that. Um, so perhaps it's recognition, really, that, as I said, that, that what he can be and what he is sometimes, but he's not at that level where you can be saying, yeah, he's, he's a, in terms of his quality and contribution, he's at the level that De Gea is at the moment. Sure. I mean, I, th- I think that maybe there's part of me who just doesn't want to give Dave three player of the year awards in a row, <laughs> partially because I, I, I just have to think that there is someone more deserving in an outfield position than that we're not so constantly relying on our admittedly world-class, world-class goalkeeper to pull us through every single week. Not every single week, but a lot of weeks. <laughs> a lot of uh, weeks, yeah. <laughs> you know, if, I think if you if you were to say which player has... If, if you were to say, if you looked at the number of points hypothetically that each individual player has potentially won in a season I think you'd still say that that De Gea has won us more points than Martial has and you know on that basis I think he does deserve to win the the player of the season again well we'll move on to uh this week's I guess you call it the bigger news now I mean I'm talking about the the De Telegraph article now because we, you and I haven't spoken about this in a little while, I'm interested to sort of gauge where you're at in terms of what you think is currently happening with Van Hal and what will happen in the summer once this season is all over and done with. I'm really not sure what's going on. I was hoping for something a bit more certain than that, Rich. I'm not going to lie. It's it's starting to dawn on me that, that things might not be as as certain as we as we hoped. Um, I don't necessarily take the the Telegraph, um, the Van der Kron article at face value in that I think there's an awful lot of briefing going on and, and he's an LVG favoured journalist writing for a paper who uh, for, in whom um, LVG has had a column before. Um, so and I wouldn't expect LVG to know if he were getting the sack in the summer, anyway, um, you know, Moyes certainly didn't have a Scooby that he was going to get get kicked when he did. Well, until we all knew until twenty four hours. Well, exactly, we, we all knew before him, didn't we? You know, um, so I wouldn't really take that as 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 notice of anything. But by the same token, there's an, there are an awful lot of pieces which seem to originate from Camp Mourinho, which suggest that he isn't as certain of getting the job as we we were maybe led to believe a few weeks ago um you know clearly he still feels the need to be briefing and if if you if you already had the job wrapped up then why would you why would you do that so i suspect that we do have some sort of gentleman's agreement with him about becoming the manager next season, but Ed Woodward may be stringing him along um, until he makes a decision himself, which is 
really quite pi- quite piss poor. It's startling, isn't it? The idea of Ed sort of dragging Jose along on the off chance that the job will be given to him, unless Van Hal actually pulls something incredible out of the bag and ends the season successfully. It's it's laughable that at the start of the season you would never have envisaged a situation whereby United finishing fourth, getting knocked out of the Champions League in the group stages. And, and losing to Liverpool in the Europa League would be remotely enough for LVG to be retained or for anyone to say that he's had an adequate season given the investment that's been made and the time. And he, you know, he has essentially had total control over everything on the football side, sort of renovations at the, at the training ground to pre-season tours. And, you know, he's, he's had everything he's wanted. So there can be no excuses for, you know, for inadequacy. And, and we've also seen in in Leicester and and Spurs two two clubs who are clearly well managed with not absolutely exceptional resources, and it just really makes Van Hal's um, failings, you know, even more stark. Yeah, I think you you brought up a good point as well about those uh, those uh, preseason tour comments that spooked me a little bit more than the this Telegraph article really just because at first I was thinking well I mean the, the pre-season tour to China has not really been done with you in mind mate and then I read the article and was thinking oh so he's been he's, he's shortened the length of the tour got it of fourth to have it shortened because of the the air quality over in China so the training would be very difficult and I was thinking Wow, I mean, the the club officials taking that information on board is not perhaps the worst thing because I guess for any manager, if you're going to be going over to a place where the air quality is not particularly great, then you know having a, a short tour is probably better because you don't want it to disrupt the preseason too much. But on the other hand, indulging a man that you're not planning on keeping on, I, I can't quite get my head around it. It's incredible. This is the problem of. Um of indecision isn't it um, if you haven't made up your mind yourself and you don't want to let on to the incumbent that he might be on his bike um, if he doesn't pull some pull some results out of the bag then you know you do what happened with Moyes which is you, you play along till the very last minute um, that he will have control over everything you know Moyes was scouting players um and making plans for the following season, you know, up until the last day that he he was in the job, and you know LVG would have been well aware when the the preseason schedules were being drawn up, and you know how could how could Woodward go to him, and and say, look, mate, I don't know whether you're going to be here next season or not, so you're not going to have any input on this. I, I guess my main sort of bone of contention with it is that this is still an issue, and I guess even though we're in April, I know there's still. You know, five weeks or so of the season to go. I think it's this indecision and this not knowing what's going on, and the the bullish confidence that Van Hal's got in himself that he's he's going to be in charge regardless is somewhat disconcerting. I guess. I mean, it, I mean, do you feel a lot less clear in your mind essentially that Van Hal is going in a couple of weeks and Joe's is on his way? Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really not convinced about that at the moment, and. You know, it's a ridiculous situation because how do you plan for next season when you don't know who's going to be in charge? You know, how do you how do you entice players to play for you, to sign for you, 
when they don't know who they're going to be playing for, um, and they don't they don't know which competitions they're going to be playing in. You know, everything about United screams uncertainty. And if I were if I were a, a, a top talent or a top potential talent or whatever, with more than one option at in terms of top level clubs, I I would think you know what I would be absolutely bonkers to go there at the moment. I think the big worry for incoming transfers is that very little of what has been coming out of the club this season in terms of any sort of features or articles or any reports has been positive. A lot of it has been about senior players being unhappy, you know, this this regimented style and his, his manner of being around the players has been off-putting and they've not appreciated it, you know, and then they're not... Essentially, they're unsettled and... It doesn't take much for players to pick up on this stuff. You know, they, they could be chatting. You know, he, let's look at Sol, who plays Atletico. He's got several friends, I'm sure, or people that he knows. He, he'd be texting in the United squad and just asking, "All right, what's Van Hal like?" And the likes of Mata and Herrera are going to be very quick to let him know, in no uncertain terms, that it's not a very pleasant situation at the moment. So it's not going to take much to turn off the other players, and I think that's concerning as well. Just. This whole aura surrounding Van Gaal is not particularly conducive to bringing in the sort of players that we want at the moment because there is so much uncertainty around the club and him. There, there are two. There are two sides to this. I think one is I can understand why, um, particularly attacking players, would be very nervous about about joining simply because Van Gaal has struggled to get a tune out of virtually all of his attacking signings. You'd look at someone like perhaps Memphis Depay or Herrera or whoever, and you'd think, you know, is that the right move for my career at the moment? Am I going to progress or am I just going to be wasting two or three years? But on the flip side of the coin, players tend to moan when they're losing and they, they will tend to blame somebody else. In in that regard, I think players play at the, I don't think the players would be moaning if they were winning a lot of games and it was working. Um, but I, I do agree that with the general principle that I do not think United are a very appealing prospect for a for a high quality player who has a number of options at sim- you know similarly ranked ranked clubs. Well, look, put it this way: I mean, if I was an attacking talent, uh, I would probably be looking a lot more amorously at United if I knew that someone else was going to be in charge next season based on what we've seen over these last two years. Even with that even with that Chelsea season, you know, I I don't think Jose is going to be completely tainted by that situation. I think that was an extraordinary circumstance. I don't think that is typical of you know everything that's happened in his managerial career. So there has been some blow ups previously and I don't I don't think it's fair to blow over that sort of stuff. But the way it fell apart at Chelsea is a bit of an anomaly and I don't know whether or not we'll ever be able to fully get to the bottom of it but I don't think as I said I don't think he's tainted by that I still think he's a very uh, you know he's still someone that you would want to manage United at this stage despite what happened there for sure right we have got Twitter questions to run off the evening are you ready yes wonderful now there's a bit of a theme you might be able to guess it Uh, (laughs) Sam Peoples and Fikash Patil both ask in a certain way does finishing in the top four and winning the FA Cup give the board enough justification to keep Van Hal? Um, it gives our it gives 
the people that we have on our board, I think, in their minds, enough justification. Whether I think it lets them off the hook entirely, doesn't it? It does let them off the hook entirely, and I, I, I think that I think particularly Woodward's desperate not to sack LVG, and if he can get any excuse possible, he he won't. No, I, I think it, it it's the worrying thing, and we'll we'll come to a question that uh, <laughs> throws that into sharper relief in a little while. But I I think if those two things happen, then in their minds, at least, I'm not saying I agree with it, but I can see why the, a lot of the board members, in particular, Edward, would think that's progress on last season because we have some silverware to go with a top four finish. But that that really just scratches the surface of why the current regime is not acting in a way that is conducive to getting United back to a level that they really want to be at, or where we should be at, anyway. Uh, let's see. Shrikath Nima asks, how would you feel if Van Hal stays on for another season? Deeply depressed. <laughs> I, you know, I think we over over the summer we always, I, I, certainly I always get through the summer without football by thinking about the players we might sign and you know the talent that we might get to watch the next season, how that might improve us. And I think I'm in a position now where I would struggle to get excited about any signing because I wouldn't trust Van Hal to get the best out of that player. No matter who, no matter who they were, you know, it, it takes a lot to to drain any um, excitement about the next season out of me. But I, I think I will struggle to, to to have that excitement this summer if he stays. At Danny Ched asks now, Danny, uh, I'm not sure about the end of this question. To be honest, um, he asks us: Do we give Van Halen of the season to finish his project, or has too much damage been done? I'm starting to see the fruits. Now, no, we I aren't. think there's there's a gigantic argument to suggest that based on the quality of the Premier League this season, take nothing away from Leicester, they have fully taken advantage of the flux around the league and you know several underperforming big clubs to essentially almost run away with it. I think if we beat Spurs this weekend and Leicester win, that is essentially the league. The league has got to be theirs. I think there's a strong argument to say that United have stayed at the same level they were at 12 months ago or gotten a little bit worse. I don't think we're seeing many of the fruits of Van Gaal's labour at all this season. You're right, and it's it's that short-termism again, isn't it? People are looking at results. We've won two games in a row. Yay. We've won two games in a row, albeit against difficult opponents, um, and suddenly everything's everything's rosy in the garden. But whereas, you know, you analyse those two games, we haven't done anything special. Um, we've, you know, the win at City was a good win, but City were... Really strange that day, you know, like as they've been so. Well, often I don't know season. if you're watching them tonight, mate. Uh, De Bruyne was playing tonight and playing for, for City against PSG, and I just found myself thinking, God damn it, we were lucky that he didn't start he's, against us the Etihad a couple of weeks ago. He's a terrific footballer. I really, really love him. I think he's absolutely world class, and you know his figures are he's he's um, either contributed to so either scored or assisted 28 goals this season in I think 33. Appearances, thirty-three starts, which you know that—that's we could only dream of a player who's had that that sort of influence on United season. Um, but they, the City were just really weird. They were so lacklustre, and we we clearly took advantage of the fact that Dean Michaelis's legs are ready to fall off. Um, so I don't. Whilst we've won the last couple of games, I don't necessarily think anything much has changed in terms of the style that we've played in all. You know, how, how many weeks ago was it that we lost abysmally at 
at West Brom. Um, you know, just reverting back to everything. We, you know, we have we've had these spells two or three times under Van Gaal where results pick up a bit and we get a, a two or three good results, and then we just revert to shit again. If the, if this is if this is seeing the fruits of of his labour, then I think some people have forgotten how United used to play football. <laughs> it was, I mean, you know, yeah. it was a long time ago, but but. You know, this isn't this isn't great. No, no, no. I, I think the idea of giving Van Hal a third season and just to, to see out the quote unquote project and one more year of the philosophy is an incredible risk, based on what we've seen. No more, no less. It, it, it would be so. Yeah, I think it would be not ignoring a lot of the bad aspects of the last couple of years and the constant red flags that we've seen over this period to give him that one more season based on what could be an acceptable end to the season, and that would be finishing in, in fourth and winning the FA Cup. That would represent a decent season based on what we've seen, considering that United have been frequently terrible. But would it be a great season? Would it be acceptable in terms of where we want to be, what we want to be pushing for, what we'll be competing for? No, absolutely not. Right, so the last question of the evening... And it is an absolute thunder bastard from Phil at Philmatic. I have been warned. Are you ready? I know, yeah. I know you've seen it already. You've had time to think about it, but yeah. it's not helped. Oh, the time time has not helped. <laughs> no, it hasn't. I don't feel like I've got my head around it anymore. Phil asks: Win the cup, get fourth, but keep Van Hull on, or finish fifth, lose to West Ham in the FA Cup quarter final in a week from now, and get Jose in. <laughs> I, I want to say the latter. The latter is the common sense approach. But the idea of United not playing the Champions League next year upsets me. A very and, real one, but, but I might add. And I'm not. And it's very difficult at the moment for us to sniff about winning winning a trophy. Um, you know, it's like it's the devil of the deep blue sea, isn't it? Really, you know. There, I don't think, I don't think there's a win, a, a pure win on either side for us, is there? Um, I, I, I think I'd say that neither outcome would leave me de- devastated. So um, there are positives to take from either. So, but, but I, I'm at the point now where I feel so ambivalent about the whole thing that I, I've, I'd find it difficult to get worked up about either either outcome I think I think a lot of us are, are quite resigned to the worst at the moment and so anything that rises above that it would be reasonably pleasurable um, I, I just I can't bear the idea of us playing the Europa League next season it's no, just, no it's and just, that, that's where we're heading if we don't get into the top four it is it's just it's a wretched competition and it, it oh. And champ, you know, we watch. I sat and watched the. Uh, I've had two nights of watching the Champions League. You know, it really dawned on me tonight that we just aren't in it, and we we've only been in it once in the last two years, and we may not be in it next year. And that just feels like it. It, it would almost be the confirmation of what we already know, and that the, the level of mediocrity that the club has fallen to and seems to be accepting at the moment. But I can't will us not to be in the Champions League next year. No, no, I agree. I think it's difficult. I mean, I think the the first option would leave me satisfied for this season to a certain extent, but with a healthy dollop of um, 
and happiness in the shape of Van Hal. I think the latter option would leave me feeling, you know, pretty gutted for the way the season's turned out, but with some optimism, you know, because Mourinho would be coming in and you could imagine that the, the short-term and longer-term future of the club is infinitely brighter with him in charge. But I, I can't will for a situation where United don't finish in the top four and win the FA, and you know get knocked out by West Ham next week, but Jose comes in. Uh, I mean, I would love for a combination of those things to happen. Being, you know, if that's on the table, of course, you know, a top four finish and maybe no FA Cup and Jose comes in, or the FA Cup and maybe Jose comes in. Just something where mm. United succeed, but where Van Hal doesn't have to stay <laughs> would be absolutely wonderful. And again, it's not so much against him; it's just that I don't. I mean, I'm not necessarily sure I can say I can't stand another year of this because ultimately it is just fucking football. But this year, watching United play and listening to Van Gaal talk has been an unequivocally awkward experience. I, I, th- I think if, you, if we're looking at sort of hypothetical perfect scenario, it would probably be that United finish fifth I'm saying this after I just said I can't bear us out of the Champions League, but just, yeah. give, just thinking about it, United finish fifth, win the FA Cup, and the club think this is great. We can we can let Van Gaal go on a real high. He can say that he's finished his career winning a trophy, and ultimately something good came out of his his tenure at the club. Well, look, Sonic, um, can we not just give him a trophy finishing fourth and pack him off? But the, yeah, but that, I was going to say we become Arsenal, but they they just keep their manager forever, regardless of what he does, don't they? Exactly. Um, oh, on that note, Rich, we'll call it a night. Thank you very much for joining me, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you fancy it, on our SoundCloud account and on the Apple uh, Podcast app, you can find interviews that Rich did, uh, Miguel Delaney, and that I did with Daniel Harris, talking about all manner of things, including Jose Van Hal, current squad, Wayne Rooney, all sorts of wonderful stuff. If you would love to leave us a review or rate us, that would be excellent. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for following us on Twitter and all your questions. Really appreciate it. We will be back later in the week. Thank you and good night. Good night.